Hello everybody, welcome to Friday's Live with Holly. It's good to have you with us. And hopefully this is coming across loud and clear. It's Holly here with you. I'm hosting the show um, as usual on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock in the UK. This is our second show, episode two, where we will be discussing the subject of courage. Last week was our first um, Friday Live and I touched on the subject of love. So you might like to go back and have a listen to episode one in this series, Friday's Live with Holly. Um, and today we are going to talk about courage. So um, if you've just joined us, welcome. It's Holly here. Good to have you with us. You can hear some music in the distance, in the background. Today, I do not have the windows open as I did last week um, when all the birds were singing, which they are now, but it's colder this week than it was last week. So the windows are shut and instead we're listening in the background to Tony O'Connor from the album Whispering Sea. There's a little story attached to this album. I bought this in Australia Gosh, um, in the early 2000s, Tony O'Connor um, is sadly not with us anymore, but he made the most beautiful instrumental music and I am lucky enough to have many of his albums, um, which I used to play in my business, The Holly Tree in, sorry, in Australia. I hope you can hear me clearly. Um, I am not set up in a professional studio. I am literally recording on my phone and I see we have Amber joining us. Good to have you with us, Amber. Thanks for letting us know that you can hear. That's wonderful. Thank you as well to the tea fairy for my cup of tea and for letting me know that it's loud and clear. That's a relief. Um, the tech side of this is quite funny, I have to say. I was on air last night in another arena on plat uh, the Facebook platform, you know, Facebook Live in a group that I've set up there called Prayer and Love, which you might like to join. And we go live in the group every Thursday evening at 8pm UK time. Well, <laughs> I had some problems with the tech, which resulted in my phone, which was recording the, um, the session, tumbling with me and doing a tour of the bookcase quite by accident. So if anything is possible when Holly's on air, <laughs> bear with me and let's just see how this goes. I am literally learning on the hop, learning on the job as I go. I've dived into this podcast adventure um, without giving it too much thought. One of my mentors, Dean Graziosi, um, tells us do not overthink anything, just dive in and do it. And I've been studying a course that he and Tony Robbins um, have put together, which is absolutely brilliant, called the Knowledge Broker Blueprint. And I'm being encouraged to try lots of things. So this is one of them, which I have been meaning to do for ages to work alongside my blog, which you can find at thehollytreetales.com. If you have a look on my blog and go to the archive, scroll all the way back to the beginning, which was January 2015, 
you'll find out a little bit about my blogging journey, which has been nothing short of um, gymnastic, circus, trapeze artist, think all of those things. I remember standing in front of my computer, sitting in front of my computer, half asleep in front of my computer, trying to figure out how to do all the behind scenes tech stuff, how to get the writing to stay on the screen when I published it in the order that I put it onto in the first place and all sorts of great fun. So read about my blogging adventure um, in the earlier posts. By all means, I'd love you to do that. And while you're on the site, hollytreetales.com, do hit the follow button if you can find it and follow the blog. And that way you will receive an email each time there's a new article or blog post published. The site, The Holly Tree Tales, has actually grown exponentially since it was started five years ago, but it has um, had most of its growth in the last year or so, as I've been taking courses and learning how to uh, more proficiently get a message out there. I set out to share my story and my life experience so that I could help others and one of the reasons for that is that I've had to push through quite considerable life challenges, um, having lived and grown up in Africa and in the UK. I was here for about nearly seven years and then in Australia for 14 years and have been back in the UK for almost 14 years um, and have had lots of life adventures, um, some of them quite extraordinary, some of them I would be surprised if most of my friends would even realize um, I had experienced because I have been in different parts of the world um, when those things were happening from where the, the majority of my friends were at the time. So anyway, I suppose many of us can say that. Um, but as I was saying, I set out with the blog to share my story which started out fairly normally in the early 1960s in South Africa. I identify with both Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi as each of those gentlemen and I, as well as um, my brother, have had several parents. Um, it's quite challenging growing up when you have the parental, um, the people in the parental role in your life changing. And that happened for us numerous times. Um, and one has to learn to adapt. And in the process of the life experiences we had, um, there were some times of crisis or near crisis and people say that children adapt easily. But I'm nearly, well, I'm, I will be 58 this year, so I've got a considerable amount of experience. And I would say that it's not a good idea to push children too far. It's not a good idea to expect children to simply adapt. Um, I think we need to be more conscious about how we parent our children 
because whatever children experience while they're growing up has an impact as they grow into adulthood and um, middle age and onwards. So I think it's very important that right from the start of life, people are taken care of mindfully, consciously and well. And if we do that, I think we produce adults um, in society who are able to manage themselves, take responsibility for their lives, treat others with fairness and kindness, and indeed even become leaders and good leaders in their own right. So I might have preferred to have a much more calm and organized and not necessarily predictable, but stable childhood, which I certainly didn't have. I had everything but that. But as a result of that and numerous other adventures, challenges, um, some severe difficulties, I learned to practice my courage muscle. Not that there is such a thing, but um, I do know that parts of our brains do different things. And certainly over my lifetime, I have learned to persevere through some pretty tough things where others might have given up or curled up in a ball and not been able to do much in life. Um, I'm not sure that we get better at adapting as we go through more. I wouldn't advocate or suggest it for anybody. I would not wish my experiences on anyone. Um, I've just been told that the music is a little alien-like. <laughs> we could pretend we have some aliens in the room, unless it would be better for us to turn off the music. What, what do you all think? Um, I'm asking my, my audience now to let me know if I should turn off the music. Do you, would you prefer to just have voice or should we keep going with the music? We'll keep going with the music for now, um, unless I get feedback to say switch it off. So as we were discussing what children experience and how children are um, expected to adapt, or it is assumed that children can adapt, I would say don't do it. Do not push children too far. Um, don't expect kids to keep adapting just because they are children and somebody's told you they can. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's right. And I think unless you provide them with adequate protection, mentoring and support when you are going through difficult times, um, you can create a huge amount of instability. When I was in my mid to late 20s, I went through some considerable change again after coming to the UK in 1985. Having been married, um, I then went out to Australia at short notice as a young bride. And I have two beautiful children who are in their 20s themselves now, who were born in Australia. And while I was in Australia, I had the experience of my emotional or mental elastic snapping, which was a um, 
a term I came up with to try and express what I felt had happened to me. I'd adapted to a lot in my life. You can imagine growing up in South Africa during the apartheid era when there were all sorts of um, riots and things going on. And when I left in 1985, there were some quite horrendous scenes in the country. Um, but nothing that I experienced before the age of 25 pushed me over the edge or to the edge of despair. However, late into my um, 20s, I started to find it quite hard. And then in my 30s, with two young children, I pressed on. I knew I could adapt. I continued adapting to various things. But there came a time when I snapped for the second or third time in Australia, and it was severe. And that happened actually some considerable years later, um, in the process of packing up our home that we'd just sold and preparing to come across to the UK um, with a very loose arrangement, um, nothing firm in place. And I'm, I'm uh, not proud to say, but I am going to be quite honest and say I had a full nervous breakdown. As a result, having learned to drive again some, some years before that, uh, which I'd lost the ability to do through having lost my confidence and feeling very, very nervous about a lot of things. Um, in 2006, I found myself in such a state that I couldn't even cross a road by myself. There was no way I was going to travel anywhere alone. I wouldn't have dreamt of calling a taxi or hopping on a bus um, to go anywhere in the city even. And I continued to parent as best I could um, in all sorts of circumstances. And to do that, I think, well, but there were a lot of things that I couldn't do. And one of them was I couldn't really hold a conversation with ease. It was hard for me to string a sentence together. I got nervous very easily. My confidence really was almost nil. My self-worth was right out the window. And if it looked as though I had self-worth, I was literally peddling underwater to just keep my head up. And you can imagine how much energy it takes to appear to be normal, let alone to be doing well. And I think some people got the impression I was absolutely fine. But I knew when I had a conversation, I was really struggling to string sentences together and I felt embarrassed. It took a lot of courage to go out into public environments at private school gatherings or um, where we were invited to dinner parties or business gatherings or anything like that. Um, I would have conversations, but I had to really, really concentrate and concentrating so hard, focusing completely every time you're out or with anyone else is exhausting. I was also suffering a form of, of fatigue, chronic fatigue. So I really do know what it's like to be absolutely wiped out, to look as though you're handling things, to look as though you should have everything together, to look as though 
um, if you say you can't do something, you are being weak or um, pathetic. But I wasn't any of those. I'm not a weak person. I'm not pathetic and I'm not negative. But something had happened and I'd snapped and I just, I just couldn't do so much. Well, fast forward to 2020, this is now 14 years beyond that almost, um, and I am now speaking to you live on a podcast using technology that I am managing currently by myself, for better or for worse. I have begun and been working through courses with Neurogym and Mastermind. I've done some work with... Um, I've been, I've been studying with Ty Lopez and ClickBank University um, and learning from many people. Um, so I have been firmly ensconced in self-education to pull myself right out of that horrible place I'd found myself in. If you read the About page on my blog, um, you'll read a little bit about my life in the business world or in just simply in the world of work and interests and life. So please, um, please do feel free to go to about the author at thehollytreetales.com and I have shared a little of my story there. Now I wanted particularly to talk about courage. In the course I'm doing with Mastermind, the KBB course, which is also, which is properly known as the Knowledge Broker Blueprint, um, we're, we're taught to, or we're told to try and niche down and find out what is our superpower. And I've been trying to figure out if there is one thing that I could really focus on. And I think it needs to be fairly broadly about personal growth and empowerment, because I think I've been on a journey of sorts in that way for most of my life. Um, so that's probably my main niche. Um, and one of the aspects of that definitely is courage. One doesn't always feel courageous, but you, when you have a very strong reason for doing something, you do it afraid. And some of you might have heard of a book by Susan Jeffers um, called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I have it with me at the moment, in fact. I pulled it off the bookcase yesterday when I was having a chat with a family member um, about that very thing, that we don't necessarily have to feel brave or in the mood for doing something. But when we do something that we're not keen on doing but need to do, it develops something in us that makes it easier next time. So rather than diving in at the deep end every time, which I think happened to me quite a lot during my childhood, where I was simply plonked in a situation and left to find the way to swim, which causes trauma, I would suggest that we ease our way towards the thing that we're afraid of or that we're reluctant to do that we need to do or we ought to do or that will improve our lives and that we take daily tiny weeny steps because I find that when you take small steps 
you don't create trauma, you don't create emotional trauma or psychological trauma, you don't go into the fight or freeze mode because you're just creeping a little bit out of your comfort zone. And if things happen in tiny weeny increments, they're almost painless, but just enough for you to know that you are making an effort. And then the other thing to do at the end of each day, look back over your day and see where you've pushed yourself just a little bit beyond your comfort zone. Staying in your comfort zone is something that I absolutely do not recommend to anybody who wishes to be mentored or guided or led by me. I do not suggest that anybody stay stuck in their comfort zone. I think we all need time in our comfort zone every day and regularly blocks of time in our comfort zone. But we don't grow that way and we don't improve our lives that way and we don't develop our brains healthily that way. In fact, what I think tends to happen is we stagnate and the energy around us stagnates and things begin to drop off when we're just living lumpy, comfortable lives. And in fact, I think that when we are, what we're doing is we're remaining stuck in fear, possibly also anxiety, which is a form of negativity and depression can take place in that, in that space. And who wants to be there? So I don't recommend it unless it's for respite, because we all have to have rest, periodic rest, long times of rest, short moments of rest. And I recommend that every hour we take the time to do what's been suggested to me by my neuro coach, um, John Asaraf, and his top um, neuroscientist partner at Neurogym, Mark Robert Waldman, who is one of the, if not the leading um, brain researchers in the world. And they recommend that we give ourselves a chance to step back if we're feeling overwhelmed. And Mark Waldman teaches us that it's good every hour, if not every quarter of an hour, to stop, to just become aware of the moment, to breathe calmly and to yawn slowly and mindfully three times or more, but three is good. And to slowly and mindfully stretch and relax. And as you do that, you enable your brain to relax, your body to relax, and you enable insight to come, which helps you to do the next thing that you need to do, or the next hour of work or, or whatever it is. And that's far healthier and more sustainable than staying focused for hours and hours and hours and hours or doing one great big block of mindfulness and meditation at dawn 
and then pushing yourself for the rest of the day. Just like somebody who needs to eat small meals and often, which is something I've experienced as someone who has low blood pressure, um, it's good to have regular nibbles throughout the day. So eat healthily, nibbling healthy things throughout the day to keep your energy going by all means and drink plenty of water especially. Um, but the mindful yawning, breathing, relaxing and stretching is very, very good. Very good for you. Now, one of our listeners has just sent me a symbol which I cannot read. <laughs> but I think it's an encouraging note. And I think we have about five minutes to go. So I want to take us to the blog now and suggest that you go to the search bar at thehollytreetales.com for a little more on the subject of courage. You might like to type in courage in the search bar within the website. And if you scroll down, you'll find a series of blog posts that I've written. The first one that pops up onto my screen is called A Little Note of Encouragement, which I published on the 15th of December, 2017. There's another on the 7th of September, 2017, Courage to be Real. Then on April the 14th of this year, there is a gratitude moment for some reason. The um, search facility is showing that under the um, Courage search. And on the 5th of April of this year, for now, there is isolation. And on that subject, there are many people who are practicing phenomenal courage right now. I'm thinking especially of the people on the front lines in all of the medical services, all of the health services, all of the retailers who are providing food and vital supplies right now. Um, the post, postmen and women, all of the delivery services, people in emergency services, the police services, everybody who's having to work to keep our community 